Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, here with you for another episode of the Steelers Preview. OTAs, week three, in the books. OTAs in general, organized team activities in the books. We're going to break that down. Our preview player of the week is none other than everyone's favorite linebacker, Sutton Smith from Northern Illinois. But before we get into all that news, all those topics, I do want to bring in my co-host, Brian Anthony Davis and Dave Schofield. Brian, how are you doing this evening? Gotta tell you, Jeff, I'm a little shocked and chagrined. I just found out from my two compadres who I thought were my closest friends that I am long-winded. And I have, I tell you what, I... <laughs> This is uh, something my wife's been saying to me for a long time, but I thought that was just to break me down. Now I've heard from you guys. I think I need some therapy. Well, we we are the type of people that we like to tear you down to build you back up. So we just tore you down. Now, Dave, welcome to the show. Let's build him back up. Let's start padding his ego. He's so great. He has the best either or question <laughs> at the end of the show. Oh, Brian is the he's the focal point of the show. But Dave, how's it going this evening? What's up? Good. <laughs> the antithesis of Brian. Good. I love it. Okay. So, <laughs> maybe right. you're right. Yeah, maybe he is. So let's get right to it. Uh, we were talking before we went on the air about us. Uh, guys, is there any news that we need to cover? And really, in this stage of the game, no news is good news. I mean, there was some stuff that came out, like Artie Burns, the potential that he gets uh, cut before training camp. We talked about Artie Burns a lot. And there really weren't any new interviews where people were, you know, we haven't heard from him yet. They've kind of gone through all the media members at that point. And so what I want to do right now is we're just going to kind of fast forward through that section of the show. We're going to get right to our OTAs week three recap. They had four sessions this week. One of them was a trip to top golf. It was a team building event. And then the other three were regular on field events. We'll start with Dave, Dave OTAs week three. What were your thoughts? Did anything stand out to you? What stood out to me the most was my disappointment when I would go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and did not get a critique of the golf swings by one Jeff Hartman. <laughs> I, I was looking for that all week because based on the video of some of these guys, I really wanted to see you break down uh, some of their uh -huh. swings. Some of them took pride in being the worst ones out there. Uh, looked like they had a lot of fun, but you, you took my line. No news is good news. That that article would be 3,000 words long. When I just watched, I think Stefan Tuit, there was a video of him swinging the club, and he missed the ball a couple. He was taking it. He was stepping like it was a baseball swing, and it wasn't like Happy Gilmore. It was, oh, it was atrocious. I'd rather them go to Dave and Buster so I don't have to cringe every time I saw them swing a golf club. But, Brian, what were your thoughts on OTAs uh, week three? Did anything stand out? No, you know what? Uh, what stood out for me is the fact that Sean Davis is back and uh, Stefan Tuitt's back. And Sean Davis was talking about, look, I need to get a lot of interceptions. It's my contract here. But I, when I heard that, I'm thinking, nope, cut off. It's your contract here. And yes, you need to get a lot of interceptions. And really, but he seems focused. He seems ready to go. I'm glad he's in a contract year if that's What's going to go ahead and drive him? I'm completely fine with that. I like Sean Davis's game. Um, I may be, uh, I may be on the bottom half of that um, in percentage, but I really like what he brings to the team, and I'm excited for Tua to be back. And you talked about the uh, organized activities. I, I love that that they go out, they go somewhere, they do stuff together. A couple of weeks ago, and we never talked about this because it's really not newsworthy, but I thought it was cool they did a steak cook-off challenge the defense did together, yeah. which I believe Stefan Tuit won that. But it was I watched the it was about a five-minute video, it was them screwing around and having a good time. And you know, I'm I'm thinking that's that's fantastic. This is what this team needs. Um, it was fractured in the last couple of years, and now it seems to be uh more congruent so i'm loving it and i'm ready to see these guys in pads yeah it's there is a sense and maybe it's just because the camera phones are out and they're filming it and they're putting it on social media there's a sense that this team has a closer bond already than they were there was in the past um I, again, this is just from an out, outsider's perspective. I have no inside information here. I have no sources or anything like that. It's just from what we're essentially drawing from that. I'm going to say that what I've noticed about the, all OTAs that I'm really excited for 
is that TJ Watt seems to be stepping into a leadership role this year very nicely. And it's something that it's, uh, I feel like he's been waiting for this. He talked about it in an interview with uh, Steelers.com where he said, year one, you're just, you're there, you're a rookie, you're shut your mouth and you just do the, do what you're told. Year two, you're, you're getting there, but you're still not to the point where you can be that leader. And he's paid his dues now. He's in year three. He's coming off double digit sacks. He's coming off a Pro Bowl appearance. He has every right to be a leader on that team. And and even when guys like Bud Dupree and Stefan Tuit were praising him for his leadership, saying that he and Cam Hayward are going to be the the captains of that defense, not literally, figuratively, because Cam Hayward's typically the captain by the Steelers organization. Um, I'm excited to see TJ Watt. He fits that mold, in my opinion. And I think that him leading the way, they're going to follow. He's a guy that other players are going to follow. Uh, and that's just that was my takeaway. Um, I think TJ Watt is going to have a huge year this year. And it might not mean necessarily more sacks. I just think he's going to be an extremely disruptive player in all facets, dropping into coverage, stopping the run, rushing the passer, all that good stuff. So, um, Dave, anything to add before we move on? Oh, sorry, me? Yes. Uh, (laughs) You're a point of Brian there. Uh, Love you, Brian. Um, I had something, but I don't remember what it was. (laughs) Must have been good. Um, No, no, it it, it was. But no, I like that Brian brought up the, the, I remember what it was now. You said that we're seeing this more of of a camaraderie, more of a team. The question is, are they more of a team than they have been in the past? Or we're just seeing it more? Um, they might've been this, this way in the past, but we, we just didn't see it as much because we weren't looking for it as much. Regardless, I don't care why I still like what I see. Okay. Uh, Brian, anything else to add? No, no, I, I'm not the best color man in the game for nothing. Folks. There you go. Amen. Love that quote. <laughs> Got anything to say, Monty? Nope. <laughs> That's a major league reference if no one got that, by the way, <laughs> with Bob Uecker. Um, There are a lot of people in the live chat, so if, in case you're just hearing this in audio form and you didn't know we had a YouTube channel, we do. You can find us at BTSE Steelers Radio in the live chat. A lot of people were talking about Le'Veon Bell. There was news of Le'Veon Bell. We're not going to talk at length about this news of Le'Veon Bell. Let me just sum up what happened. He had over a half a million dollars of jewelry stolen from his quote-unquote girlfriend's and I'm just going to put this out there. In the report, he was unable to name his girlfriends. I will. You can use a deductive reasoning here as to why two of his girlfriends that he didn't know their names had access to his room, stole from him, and then he's like, I don't know their names. Maybe their name was Rufy. <laughs> I don't know what their <laughs> names were. There. I'll tell you what, though. Um, New York... Have fun with this guy. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Have fun with that guy. So with that, we're we're not, no, 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 Brian, we're not getting into this. Okay, we're not getting into this. (laughs) Oh, I've got a good one. All right, all right. All right. um, No, no. Okay, Dave, stat geek, start now, quickly. Stat geek, I'm going. Okay, I've I've got to not BAD this because I got a little story to tell. I got to make it quick. Um. I had a really good article I was working on for Jeff um, or for the site, meaning to get to Jeff to, to, to get out for the site and uh, did a whole bunch of research on something and found something really, really interesting. And as I started to write the article, the exact same article, the exact same stats showed up on a different Steelers site. And I'm the kind of guy that even though I know that I'd already done the research and everything myself, I wasn't going to put it out there because I didn't want to make it seem like I got my information from another site. And I'm so I'm like, what am I going to do with all this work that I just poured in? So guess what? It's our stat geek section. There you go. <laughs> so, so here it comes. What I was looking at was uh, we're looking at the Steelers uh, turnover margin, which then specifically looks at their turnovers and their takeaways. Um, so I'm going to do an over under. It's, I'm going to give you both of them, and then I'm going to give you the numbers behind them. But I'm going to usually I do one and then another. But they're both going to be so um, similar stuff. Um, oh, I wrote my number in the wrong spot. That's why I couldn't find it. We're going to look for turnover margin in 2019. I'm going to say an over under of minus one, which is actually 
a very interesting number because the Steelers in the in their franchise history have never had a turnover margin of my of exactly minus one. Um, it's always been above or below that. And takeaways of 21. Now, the reason I'm going with the minus one for the turnover margin is when they're in the negatives, they're generally way in the negatives. Like this past year in 2018, um, their turnover margin was minus 11. Um, back in 2013, the last time they didn't make the playoffs before this past season, their turnover margin was minus four. 2012, it was minus, minus 10. 2011, it was minus 13. Okay. Now those years in between in 2017, it was plus two. Uh, 2016 was one of their better ones recently, which was plus five. Uh, 2015 was, was plus two and 2014 zero. So when they go positive, it's not like they're going a big positive, but when they go negative, they go pretty negative. Now, before I get in into anything else, the one thing, the number that blew my mind was I looked at the seasons where the Steelers made the Super Bowl. You know, all the way back to 74. 2010 was their best plus minus. It was plus 17. But the other ones were plus four, plus seven. 95, they were zero. They were even. But at their Super Bowl winning season of 1979, they were minus 10 in turnover ratio. And what was crazy about that, they were minus 10 and had 42 takeaways. That means they had 52 turnovers, still went 12 and four and won the Super Bowl. That is by far the most turnovers any team that's made it to a Super Bowl has ever had in a season. Well, not by far. It was like four more than, than the next closest. So what? any comments on that 79 massive? Yes. It looks like he wants to say something. Well, Bradshaw was- turned it over all the time. Yeah. And not only that, there were a couple games in 79 that they had seven, eight turnovers. There's a game against Cleveland. I think they had seven, seven turnovers in one game. And Bradshaw threw a million interceptions. It, they, uh, they did turn it over a, a whole heck of a lot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was – but they knew how to score and they knew how to – they put up a lot of numbers that year too. Exactly. Jeff? Oh, I was going to say, Bradshaw, I'll never forget, and we're going to get into this in the offseason, essentially, um, you have, if you look at his statistics, and we're going to get into the whole debate of Big Ben versus Bradshaw in the offseason, I think that's going to be its own episode. Um, If you just look at his stats and take, and I hate saying it, take away the Super Bowl wins, that's the most important statistic, his stats suck. (laughs) He's not a Hall of Fame quarterback without four Super Bowl rings and four tries, period. I just don't see it. If you look at it, I, I went to a wedding, my, my fraternity brother's wedding, he's a Steeler fan, and he had a stats of famous Steelers at every single table. And so you were you were seated at a famous Steeler table. So you could sat at Mean Joe Green's table, or we were at Terry Bradshaw's. And I was looking like, oh my Best God. Best wedding ever. <laughs> yeah, this, this, these stats are awful. <laughs> and he turned the ball over a lot a lot and he was real loose with the football and I wasn't alive to see it. But at the same time, I've, I've talked to my dad enough. I've seen a lot of videos. I've looked at the stats myself. Um, I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked, but Hey, they won a super bowl. Who cares? Jeff, you hit the nail on the head there because you said the only stat that really matters is he was four and zero in a super bowl. Mm-hmm, I mean, and I mean, that's, and that's so true because it's so funny the different narratives. I, I'm going to get back to to our uh, to our takeaways in just a second, but the different narratives that we see, like like during the season, I'll do a, I'll do stats articles and stuff like that, and all I get is a bunch of comments of the only stats that matter are wins and losses. I'm like, you know what? I agree. That's by far the most important stats. Now these other stats sometimes tell us why they lead to wins and losses, but then we get. Jeff gets roasted for the title of a podcast saying, will Ben Roethlisberger have a bounce back year? And everyone's yelling, he had 5,000 yards passing. How can it be a bounce back year? I thought the only stats that matters were wins and losses. And they didn't get to 10 wins and make the playoffs. So I, sometimes I just don't uh, don't understand it. But we all know uh, what we can do with statistics and how we can manipulate them any way we want. But I want to 
look at what the key thing is. When I looked at the plus minus, because plus minus generally tells you what, what it is, but with the Steelers, it's about the takeaways. It really is about their defensive takeaways. Do you, anyone remember? Do you know how many takeaways the Steelers had this past year? Uh, they only had eight interceptions. Yep. And I think they had six. So is it 14? You're very close. It was 15. Okay. Which I, is, I didn't get a I just, chance to answer. I just looked oh, that up. I didn't. I'm so Brian, what's the answer? <laughs> 15. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic. Where? How does that rank for them all time? Uh, I didn't know that answer, so I mean, uh, <laughs> I'd say that I'd say that is bottom five. How about bottom one? Actually, it's wow. bottom, bottom two. Um, in 2018 and 2011 were the two years they only had 15 takeaways. Their next lowest number is 20. That's the only two times they've had less than 20 takeaways, and they were only at 15. So the so because the Steelers had 26 turnovers. That's not bad. In 2015, they had two more turnovers and still had a positive plus minus. It's because they had 30 takeaways. And they, they, they didn't so, take the ball away last year at all. Exactly. And honestly, and that's what that's what I was going, going to focus on in this article, is that plus minus is great, but the takeaways is what drives the plus minus. And that's why I put the takeaways for 2019 to 21. The Steelers, the, the least number of takeaways they've ever had and made the Super Bowl was 29. And that was in 2008 when they won the Super Bowl. They had 29 in the regular season. Every other time, it's been 30 or more. Um, they had their, The last time they had over 30 was when they made the Super Bowl. It was 35. So, since then, it, in, starting in 2011, it goes 15, 20, 20, 21. They did... They did, wait a second, they had one in there that was 30 in 2015, um, 23, 22, and 15. So if you want to see this team really improve, and we've talked about, we think the biggest thing that's going to help this team is a much improved defense, is we got to take the ball away. Steelers have to take the ball away. So I set it at 21, which, it, you know, six more than last year, but still maybe on the lower end of what they really need to get there. So let, which one do you want to do first, the turnover margin or the takeaways? Um, I don't care. Whatever. Okay, we'll go. We'll go. Uh, we'll go with the turnover margin of minus one. We're going to go over or under. I actually think that. I, well, if I say over, I'm saying that means that, that you break even or a positive number. I'm going to say over because I think that Roethlisberger is going to be more protective of the football. I don't expect as many fumbles. And I think this defense, and if, if OTAs, I wrote this article today, if OTAs mean anything, they've been getting their hands on the football already early. If that can continue, I, I like their chances of, can it get worse? <laughs> I think it'll only get better. So I'll say over. What about you, uh, Brian? You know, they brought some guys in with a reputation and a pension for getting their hands on the ball, like Steven Nelson, who had four interceptions last year. Uh, but that would have been tops on the team. I. Uh, with the interceptions last year. I mean, so right now he's their leading interceptor because they were that bad last year. Um, in fact, linebackers got a few of those interceptions as well. But then there's a total of eight. And then, you know, Devin Bush is a guy that can create turnovers as well. So there's going to be a lot of uh, opportunities for more turnovers. And I agree with you completely, Jeff. I think that, uh, you know, Ben is going to protect the ball a whole lot better. That offensive line, um, I know Mike Munchak's not there. I uh, I love what Sean Serrett brings. He's been here a long time. He knows this group, and this group has been together. They know what they're doing. Um, Matt Filer played most of the year last year, um, if he is indeed the right tackle. This is a, still a cohesive uh, unit protecting Ben, and he's not going to be forcing the ball to a diva wide receiver that is going to – um, throw tantrums when he doesn't get the ball like he did in Kansas City uh, against Kansas City last year um, when that team's celebrating because they they brought it within seven and he's walking off the sidelines and pouting because he didn't get the option so when you see uh, Dave what was that stat of the uh, interceptions it was like 10 for 15 was it like 75 percent that were going to AB is that correct uh of Roethlisberger's interception, it was ten of sixteen. Ten of but, sixteen. But but the one that Dobbs threw was also towards AB, so it's eleven of seventeen. Okay, so with that being said, you know what I mean. They're going to try to spread the ball out a little bit more. I think that's going to show up too. So, to make a a long winded story short, you know, higher. 
<laughs> over. Um, he's, he's playing his own game. Higher I'm really, uh, yeah, I'm really struggling <laughs> with this one because of how the next question shapes up. Because I'm afraid that I'm going to give a contradictory answer to what I say here and what I say say later. But um, should should I go my wishful thinking? If I go my wishful thinking, I'm going to say over. But I'll be honest with you. I would put their number at either negative one or zero. So that's barely over. But I, that's why I set the number. I mean, I'm setting the line. So that's why I struggle with it. Because I put it right about what I would, would guess it to be. So if we want the Steelers to ha- I mean, if they're going to have a successful year, it's got to be over. And honestly, this is something we can turn right back to, which then comes to the, can they get more than 21 takeaways, the over under of takeaways of 21 for 2019. Hmm. They had 14 last year. That was awful. 15, 15. Sorry. Um, I'm going to say over. I think this defense is going to be a lot better. I think that because when we're, we're saying you're saying turnovers in general, it doesn't, Specify interceptions, takeaways. I think they're due for some forced fumbles, some fumble recoveries. They had bad luck last year. There were a couple times where they got to the quarterback, the football comes out, and it bounces right to their teammate. I think that they'll get some of that. Um, I'll take. Uh, I'll take the over. What about you, Brian? Over out. <laughs> there you go. He, he he used up all his he used his word quota on the first one. So uh, <laughs> um because I said that the turnover margin was going to not be negative, they've got to go to they, they've got to get 22 or more. They they've got to. That's the only way they can do it. The last time they had 21 turnovers or sorry, 21 takeaways, they had a they had a zero plus minus. Okay, when they only got to 20, they had a negative plus minus. So they, if they're going to get that plus minus back into a non-negative number, I, I say non-negative because I want to include that zero, then it's got to be over. It, it's what it has to be for the year. And if it's not, they're going to be struggling once again. Yeah. It's, you're going to have turnovers on offense. You just have to be able to mask them with more takeaways on defense. That's what they didn't do last year. And like you said, it's not like the offense turned it over at a ridiculous clip. Everyone points to Roethlisberger leading the league in interceptions, which is true. But at the same time, got to be able to take it back. And uh, I, I like this defense. Brian, what do you think? You think this defense is capable? Yeah, like I said before about Steven Nelson, um, you know, even Mark Barron coming in there, um, Bush is going to be playing. Um, these guys are going to go after it. And you still have guys that can that uh, were on this team before that are capable of uh, forcing turnovers like to it, like uh, like Hayward. Um, Watt's going to be doing it. And you know what? Vinny, Vinny Vitivici will be doing it as well. So uh, Bud can, you know, force some stuff. So I really like what these guys can do. I think uh, last year was a weird year all the way around. And they they need some luck on their side, and I can see it coming back to them. Okay, so here I'm gonna say here's yeah. the concluding question here, because based on our answers, this is what we need in order for both things to happen. The Steelers have to have seven more takeaways and four less turnovers. So can they have seven more takeaways and four less turnovers? That's what it would take at minimum. And then, of course, for every one, every not less turnover, they need an additional takeaway. That's what it would take to hit these numbers that we're talking about for next year. Yeah. Well, let me jump. I'll go say, do you think, what do you think, Brian? Well, let me jump in here. Um, Steven Nelson's going to give you um, at least three more. Um, You're going to get at least two more from Bush. I'll tell you that. And you're going to get two more interceptions from uh, Sean Davis. So right there, there's your seven. And let me let me uh, tell you about two of those uh, turnovers. Stephen Ridley's gone. That's true. And I blame a lot on Stephen Ridley. I know they were two, but I blame a lot on him. That's a really good point. All right, hey, real quick, uh, true or false that um, it's going to be the the headline of our Black and Gold Links article tomorrow. 
do you true or false that Keith Butler finally has the pieces in place to be able to run a defense that he's always wanted to run since Shazier got hurt? Dave? <laughs> Does he have the pieces in place? Yes. Yeah. So Can true. he do it? Well, we'll see. That's the, <laughs> that's that's not the question. That, that's the follow-up question. I think you have the. I think, think he has the pieces. I think he's had a crutch for the last two years, where it's like, wow, I'm missing my inside linebacker. He's the most important player. It's like, does he have the pieces now? Like that's the question, Brian. True or false? Well, could, can I follow up one thing real quick because I sure. don't want Brian to take my answer. Okay. He does, barring injury. Well, of course, everything's barring injury in the NFL. But go ahead, one, Brian. One injury in the wrong spot, and that's gone. I know, Brian. Okay, David's okay. I go now. You, you sure? <laughs> you, not, not one more, Dave. Um, no. Dave, <laughs> so, Dave muted himself, but he can't. He can't hear him. <laughs> so yeah, they they, they definitely... I'm just making fun of him. <laughs> He has the pieces, you know, but he's done it. I mean, he's been around for a long time on this team. He was a part of other Super Bowl winning teams as an inside linebacker coach. And, you know, he's so he's done it. But yeah, I mean, that was a crutch and uh, can't use it anymore. But you do have. You don't have Ryan Chazier back, but you have a guy that uh, plays with his kind of skill set. So, yeah. And. You asked me about the upgrade over a Cody Sensabaugh slash Artie Burns, and I think Steven Nelson's it, and I think Justin Lane's an upgrade over Cam Sutton. So with that being said, you have some upgrades in there. This defense is being upgraded. So, I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, the pieces are there. Okay. All right. It's, it's interesting. Uh, it's interesting you think about that because a lot of times I think Lance put it in a way where he said, you know, it's like giving a – a chef and saying, okay, you need to make something out of these ingredients. When in reality you can't make it, you don't have the right ingredients. Maybe now he does. So we'll see. I do think this is, and, it, it's, it's a do or die year. And and one thing just to add is any, they didn't lose anyone on defense that they didn't choose to lose. I mean, I know LJ Ford technically left as a, as a unrestricted free agent, but at the, at the, at the contract that he signed with the Eagles, they could have easily done a better contract than that, yeah. but they chose to let him go. He's the, he's the, the biggest loss on that defense that of other people, they just chose to let go and not bring back. Yeah. I mean, they, they resigned. If you think about it, they resigned Tyson Alawalu, they resigned Anthony Chicolo and they bring in Steven Nelson. And so, yeah, they made some moves. So, okay. Sticking with defense, the defensive theme, we're going to go to our Steelers preview player of the week. We're in the sixth round where they had three draft picks. We're talking about the first one. It's everyone's favorite, Sutton Smith. The Northern Illinois, the guy was a, he's a spark plug. He's got a high motor. He's got a good football IQ. He's unselfish, blah, blah. I could get, the adjectives are just everywhere with this kid he's playing some fullback in otas he's running with the outside linebackers as well my question for you all to start this off and it's how i headline this episode is sutton smith nothing more than this year's training camp darling because i feel like i've seen several sutton smiths come through the steelers organization and not make a freaking impact on the team brian we'll start with you is he just another training camp darling he is a training camp darling, but he has an opportunity to stick. Tyler Matakevich was a uh, training camp darling. He stuck around. I mean, I know people want him gone now, but this guy's going to make his hay on special teams, and that's exactly what it is. But if I'm him, you know, the, the team goes to me and says, okay, we're going to change your number to 42 so you could go ahead and work out as a fullback, and uh, you're still, you still could be a linebacker because of that. I – I'm like, yeah, I'll do whatever it takes. If you want me to go ahead and, uh, you know, drive Mike Tomlin around in a golf cart or get the team water, or, I mean, I'll do that too. You know, so, yeah, he's a darling because his college stats were absolutely fantastic. I'm not going to bring them up because that's Dave's thing. I'm not going to do that to him. But when you look at what he's done in just three years, the first year was – basically did nothing. So in two years, it was incredible 
what he's done rushing the passer, they're not going to, you're not going to see immediate impact out of a guy like this. But if you can get a good special teamer out of him, then maybe you see something in the future. You know who was a very good special teamer for this team who was undersized? James Harrison. I'm not saying this guy's Debo, but guess what? That's that's how you make this team, and that's how you make opportunities each and every year you stick around. What about you, uh, Dave? What do you think? He was drafted in the position that you just sit back and wait and see or you feel like you can keep them around and and give them a couple years to see what they can become at the pro level. He expecting anything out of him, I think would be foolish, but getting something out of him, I think would be fantastic. Just he, he did have a, a lot of, a lot of good stats. Like, like Brian said, I mean, he had, he, he redshirted his freshman year and then he played three years and came out after his junior year. Um, so he he only had one sack as his of his redshirt freshman year, but then he had 14 as a sophomore and 15 as a junior. So I mean, good double digit sacks. I mean, 43 tackles each year is still pretty good, um, and a good bit of forced fumbles. I think it was like three and four. I think it was, and even threw in some passes defense. So he's got the stats in the Mac. We all know that Mac players can do great things, but a lot of times they say, "But what were their stats?" You know, what would it have been if they were playing in the SEC or the Big Ten or something? We don't know. I, I, I There were reports that at the Senior Bowl – so he played in the Senior Bowl, right? So was he coming out as a junior, or do one, I have this of, wrong? Well, he was in one of the All-Star games. It might have been the Shriner might have been some one of those. The Shriner yeah, but that, that I know they had him play at a different position. They had him play inside linebacker rather than outside linebacker or something. It, they said he was versatile, but it also seemed like there was at times where it might have seen that even with a bigger competition, he, he got a little bit lost in the crowd. I don't know that that's happening with him so far um, at OTAs, but let's get the pads on, see what he can do. Our problem is – we want to see him do great, but don't get your heart set on him that he's going to be the next big thing. The next big thing is going to come when you don't expect him. Like a Mike Hilton that was just on the practice squad at the end of the year and then all of a sudden busted out. Um, I really have low expectations. I'd like to see him make the 53, but I'm even okay if they can just get him on the practice squad. To me, um, I call this type of pick a house money pick. Because he was picked in the sixth round. And so if a sixth round pick doesn't make the team, no one's going to be storming the UPMC headquarters with their torches and pitchforks. Uh, but if he does, and he's a player, and he's an impact player in some way, shape, or form, even if it's just special teams, you're allowed for doing a great job finding a good day three guy. So it's house money. It's, it's, a, it's a low risk. And that's we ran an article, it was probably about it was last month, um, I reached out to some of the college websites uh, that write about these players and from the Hustle Belt, which is the website, which is a really cool name for a website, <laughs> uh, which is named for the Mac website. The One of their authors who followed Sutton Smith closely, he said the exact same thing. He said, look, this is a really low risk, but a really high ceiling pick for the Steelers because there's as a six round pick, there's what's the risk in that? But his ceiling is sky high because he does have good technique. He is a versatile player. They, this person in particular thought that he was going to be, could be a very good sub package specialist in the future, because like Dave said, they did try him at inside linebacker. He might be too small for an outside linebacker. So put him in space, let him use his athleticism. He was a running back in college as well. So he has that offensive mindset, that agility, that skill set. So it'll be interesting to see, but I know everyone's going to be watching when Sutton Smith takes the field, number 42 for the Steelers at uh, Latrobe to see what this guy's all about. And just remember, okay, even at the website, BTSE, we do the Isaac Redman Award winner. Typically, the guy that wins the Isaac Redman Award does not have a big role on the team. Just saying. I'm just saying that that's the person that performs well in training camp and then just kind of is there. He's just kind of another player. He suits up on Sundays, but he does, or maybe he doesn't suit up. Maybe he's an inactive. So, Brian, real quick, send it back to you. Your thoughts on Sutton Smith making the team, being an impact player. What do you see his role being this year in 2019? 
he's not going to be an impact player. And if he is, then you've got problems because you've got injuries. Um, you've got major injuries. I will say, um, I saw in the live chat, um, somebody mentioned a uh, six-round picks don't really uh, make much of an impact. I mean, I, it's easy for me to go Antonio Brown, so I'm not going to go that way. But I'll go Vince Williams, you know, a six-round pick six years ago, who, uh, because of injury, had to come in and played most of that 2013 season. Yeah, but it took him time, though. He was not good his first year. But he, <laughs> he, did he, he started his first year. He had to. Well, yeah, because Larry Foot tore his biceps in week one. I remember that. But, yeah, Man, he, so he, he wasn't a lot his first year, and he wasn't he, terrible for a six-round rookie. Well, he was terrible, but it, yeah, I give your point. <laughs> but you know, with that with that being said, no, I don't expect this guy to go ahead and do anything this year. I expect him to, you know, possibly stick on the uh, because of special teams or stick on the practice squad. If he's on the practice squad, you've got a dual threat player. You've got an offense. You've got a defensive player because he could play fullback on the, on the practice squad. He could also play a. Uh, you know, linebacker, you could decide whether you're going to put him inside or outside linebacker. There's things you could do with him. He's versatile, but it's nice to have a player that people are excited about, whether he's going to make the team or not. You know, we know names. We know the big names on the team. But when you're excited about a name that no one else knows, that's good, too. There's I personally think there's no way if the Steelers release this guy that he would make it through waivers and make it to be even practice squad eligible. I can see a team like the the Patriots picking him up so quick, and it's, it's the type of player that they would love to have. I just, I think, I think he makes a team. I answer my own question. I think he makes a team. I think he's a special teams guy. He can make someone else expendable if you think about some of those other fringe players. But Dave, what do you see his role being in 2019? Uh, I I think he'll he'll make the team as long as he proves himself to be adequate. In the preseason, I mean, he, if he just comes out and gets lost in the crowd during the preseason, then there's no way that someone's going to want to grab him for their 53 anyway. But uh, if he makes a few plays, especially on special teams, or just he's going to have tons of playing time. And who knows, other teams might do exactly what you say: is notice that how they how, how are they going to use him in preseason games? Are they going to use him on both offense and defense? It's hard to say. Um, I don't want to say that they should or they shouldn't. They'll they'll figure that out. But um, when it comes to a six-round pick, if you can get one out of every six that does something, that's really good. That's really good. So just so just being able to, to mention several six-round picks that the Steelers have, you, you're, don't say that they're all a wash, but I would say the majority of them I wouldn't expect to stick around for more than three seasons. Yeah. So well, so so that's the that's the key. I think he'll be with the Steelers for a few years, barring injury or complete inadequacy, and then we'll see if he develops into something or not. And again, if he pans out and he becomes a player, no one's going to gripe about that. <laughs> Everyone's going to be ecstatic. So we've named some players. You know, in the live chat, they're talking about guys like uh, Brett Kiesel, who's a seventh round draft pick. And sometimes these players stick, and it typically takes a few years, but sometimes they stick. So you're there. You go. All right. So let's see here. Now's the time where we have we have a few minutes before we get to either or. We're trying to cut down on the show length a little bit. Uh, so real quick, we want to give you open it up for questions to see, um, you know, what what everyone thinks. So we already have a question right now. I'll get your guys' input on this. It's more of an NFL based question. That is, what are your thoughts on an 18 game schedule? Uh, Dave, I know that you're someone that has talked about this before, and you've kind of given your own, you have your own way to figure out, you, know, you have your own recipe. Go ahead and talk about what your thoughts are on 18-game schedule. Yeah, this was actually one of the first articles I ever did for Behind the Steel Curtain was I talked about we could solve an awful lot of problems if we did a 17-game schedule. And a lot of people are like, how in the world do you pull that off? Well, here, my, you could cut the preseason back a game or two, depending on what you wanted to do, or or keep it the same. But add add a seven add a, add a seventeenth game, make it the I think I even proposed being the um the the opposite conference team. You're two years removed from playing the team that's the same rank as you from last year. You know, kind of like how they do with the AFC, but but switch it out. And give every game, every every NFL team a neutral game, a neutral site game. 
So when teams go to London, they don't lose a home game. Um, imagine playing some great, some, some, some of these matchup games um, in other cities. I actually brought it up in the article last year. It would have been the Steelers would have played the Eagles. If you take that extra game and, and put it in happy Valley, you know, almost half, I mean, somewhat halfway in between both cities in that enormous stadium at Penn state. Could you imagine how electric that game could be between the Steelers and the Eagles? So you could, you could take away the, the problems with, you could add more, neutral site games like the Mexico cities, even other cities or college cities that, that, that don't always have NFL games. And you add an extra bye week to the season and you put that bye week for every team the week before their Thursday game. So then you're never having to deal with players talking about the short week and the injuries that come out with that when you, when you would have that Thursday game. So you would in essence have a week and a half, a game, and then a week and a half, as a second buy. Um, it could be crazy. I thought it was an interesting idea when I, when I talked it out cause it solved several problems. It's not perfect, but just an idea. So the, I, I don't know if the players would complain about having to play one more game. What about you, Brian? 18 games. Well, you know what? I was surprised to see uh, Ramon Foster say that he was not uh, he was not completely opposed to it. Um, for me, I have no problem with 18 games if you go ahead and take those two meaningless preseason games and knock him down to two, and that's exactly what they would do. Um, you know, that actually gives. Uh, you know, I, I know that's two more hard hitting games that these players have to play, but and. Uh, but uh, I, I don't see it as being a problem. I mean, yeah, sorry, that's my dog in the background <laughs> making those noises. She's uh, she's a little whiny, and I, I saw your face. <laughs> yeah, she's there. See, she's just making some noise. I apologize. Um, so <laughs> that's why I'm stuttering, too. But uh, you know what? Why not go 18? Dave, I love your formula. I think it's great. But that's uh, there's a lot of complications in that where it'd be easier just to say okay nine games nine games nine on the nine home nine road there you go. Okay, for me, I don't care. More football the better. Let's just put it that way. I really don't care. Um, we have a super chat question, which by the way, if you're in the live chat right now and you're there's a lot of questions being thrown out there. We have, you know, just shy of a hundred people in the live chat, I believe, at one point. And there's a lot of people talking and spouting off about some stuff. Uh and Snowman says he used it two bucks, goes straight to the site. We appreciate it. Who's your dark horse to make the team this year? That's a good question. Dave, we'll start with you. Uh, I'm going with PJ Locke at safety. Okay, Brian. Cameron Kelly at corner. I'll go with the uh, I think it's Drayvon Askew Henry at safety to make the team. That's my right there. Uh, here's another. We'll go rapid. I was going to say real quick with with Brian's. I think they've also been playing him at safety, like a hybrid position as well. And you could do either. And Brian Allen is now on the roster as a hybrid cornerback yeah. safety. He's also on the safety depth chart, which is interesting. That's new. Uh, so, okay. Will Juju Smith-Schuster have over 1,000 yards receiving? Brian, we'll go with you first. Yes. Dave? Uh, yeah. I agree, too. Now, uh, let's change that to 1,200. Will he have over 1,200 yards receiving? Brian? He almost had 15 last year. Um, yeah, let's go okay. for it. Dave? I'll take the over. Okay, very good. I, I I would be close to a push. I think he'll be right around 1,200. Uh, will the outside linebackers get more production under Keith Butler with Joey Porter gone and Keith Butler now coaching not just the defense but also the linebackers? Brian, thoughts? It depends how desperate Bud Dupree is. Um, I think we're fine with Watt. Um, you know what? I, I really think they could, I think this is a hungry group and, uh, Butler's always been good with those linebackers. Okay. What about you, Dave? I'm, I'm going to give a Brian answer. I'm going to tell a little bit of a story with it of why I don't like the idea. Um, I, not only was I a high school football coach, I was also a high school track coach. I was a state champion shot putter and collegiate shot putter myself, and I coached the shot put in the discus. And then there was one season where I took over as the head track and field coach. 
the year that I was the head track and field coach and also the throwing coach was the only year in my coaching career that I did not send one single athlete as a thrower to the state track meet because I was too divided and did not get to spend enough time with them to work on them individually. So not a big fan of, of the whole thing of, I mean, I know maybe they're really taking his defensive coordinator role back from him. They almost have to in order for him to, him to see a big jump at the outside linebackers. I would like them to see, I would like them to see someone else to come in and help out with that position. Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, TJ Watt, I don't know how much coaching he needs. He's obviously been doing a good job and his work ethic is pretty tireless. So we'll see how that goes. I think that they'll, the production will be just fine. Uh, here we go. Let's say uh, who's the quarterback that they, cause they got rid of Brogan. Who did they sign for Brogan there? Brian, what was his name? Devlin Hodges. Devlin. Do you guys think, do you see any way that Devlin makes the roster in 2019? He is the greatest thrower in FCS history. Um, he uh, surpassed Steve McNair. Um, basically, you're a Division One Double A, um, what it used to be. This guy, this guy can throw. He could run. He could do a lot of things. I mean, you know, I think it's going to take a lot to really supplant um, a guy like uh, Dobbs, who has been around a couple of years. But this guy has the tools to do it. I bet can he beat out Dobbs? I mean, let's assume Mason Rudolph makes the team. I I don't think he's going to beat out Dobbs, but you know what? If uh, you've got an opportunity to trade a guy like like Dobbs, um, if Mason Rudolph is your number two guy, you go ahead and trade Dobbs, and you bring a guy like this in to hold the clipboard and learn some things. He's a very capable player. What about you, Dave? You're laughing at something. <laughs> I'm, I got to do a pop, pop culture reference. Brian might like this. Have you ever seen the movie? Just go with it. Yeah, the, the Devlin. The yes. Devlin. Yeah, no, I, I got that. Devlin. Yeah. So the question is, can he be the number two quarterback? <laughs> I so, I'm, I'm sorry. Every time I hear that, it, 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 it cracks me up. So I, I can't help it. Um, I'm sorry. Um, um, what is that? Elementary crude humor. But um they'd have to they'd have to trade one of the quarterbacks to have ahead of them because I mean I would love for them to have a guy like that in their back pocket I mean unless they could get him unless they want to keep an extra guy on the practice squad I, other than that I think it's got to be a trade okay all right last question before we get into either or segment and that is from uh, Ali he says I just want to see McCullers Daniel McCullers Anthony Chiquillo and Tyler Matikavish pushed off the roster which draft picks do you think can push them off, if any? So if I'm doing this quickly, um, McCullers, if, as a nose tackle, unless Isaiah Bugs can prove that he can play the nose, they would have to essentially say that Tyson Alawalu would have to be flexible enough to back up Hargrave. So I'm not sure if that could happen. Chicolo, you're looking at if, if Ola Adenye is playing well and Sutton Smith it shows that he is capable then you might have the flexibility to get let him go. And Tyler Matikavich, not only with Devin Bush, but you also look at Ulysses Gilbert. Um, but guys, I don't know if you would throw another name out there, but do you see that potentially happening? I personally don't. Dave, we'll go with you. Uh, I could see not all three of them. Um, I, and it's not that I don't like the, If we got better players than them, fantastic. Um, I don't have the 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 numbers right in front of me, but I don't know if Chicolo's new contract is one that would make it wise for them to to let him go. Um, I'm not sure. I'm, I mean, I was surprised how much they paid him and how little Fort got paid because I I mean they could have had Fort for a fraction of what they kept Chicolo for, and um, so I, I don't think, and especially for them wanting to you know, doing that contract, I don't think they're, they even look at that as a possibility. I could see um, if we'll probably talk more about the whole McCullers thing next week. Um, is that next week or the one after? I can't remember what order the, the six round picks came in, but, um, um, but I could see Matikavich getting, getting bumped out eventually. What about you, Brian? You know, there's, there's a guy I'm looking for um, that, I think they have a lot of uh, depth of no-name guys um, on the defense. And then there's a specific player that 
I cannot remember his name, and I've been looking for, and uh, yeah, I just got it. Robert Spillane, um, linebacker. He now he played for. Uh, he uh, actually intercepted the Steelers in the preseason with Tennessee last year. And he's, he's a guy that could really play too. So there's some guys that are, uh, that could really go the Mike Hilton route and force some of these guys out. I think if one of them gets forced out, I really think it's dirty reds time to go. Um, I think he's the one who, you know, they really found him to be a liability on defense. They love him for his special teams. But with these rookies coming in, these younger guys coming in, they're going to make their hay on special teams, and they could really push him out first. What about uh, what about Frank Webb? Is he any good? <laughs> it's Ralph, and he's a running back. <laughs> And I'm, I'm, you're getting a Ralph Webb jersey if he if he ever sticks. I'm if telling he, you that. If he makes the team, I'll buy it from you. I'll, we'll get it straight from China. I'm not sure if they, uh, if they. <laughs> oh, I can make. I mean, they have they have the feature now where you can go ahead and make your own jersey. Nice, very nice. Okay, so uh, been a good show so far. Let's keep the momentum going here into our either war segment. That is where we ask questions. It might be Steelers related. Might be non-Steelers related, and uh, we have to go through and pick which one we would take. Now, I'm going to go first, and I'm going to piggyback off an article I wrote last Sunday for my letter from the editor. I'm not sure if you saw that. Uh, I'm sure Dave did because he's our community manager, and that was two games that I chose that took years off of my life. And it's both. It's crazy because they were both a decade apart, and they were both against the same team, the Indianapolis Colts. My question is, which game was more stressful for you the 1995 AFC Championship game at Three River Stadium, Captain Comeback Jim Harbaugh with the Hail Mary that almost fell into the lap of a receiver, or the Jerome Bettis fumble game in 2005 in the RCA Dome against Peyton Manning. I can remember both of these vividly, and it's really tough for me to choose. Brian, I want to go with you first, get your take. Which was more stressful as a fan? Actually, 1995, um, January of 96 was more stressful. And here's the reason why. Um, they were blowing that game. That was, uh, they really had to come back. And I just watched this game maybe about nine months ago when I was doing uh, the, the throwback Thursday games. And I watched them in their entirety before I write the article. And really, toward in the last five minutes of that game, they had no business actually winning that game. They got lucky on, on a couple of plays. There was a, there was a play that was almost a, could have been a pick six and the guy just completely dropped it for the Colts. Um, that game was going South fast. And when he threw it, when uh, Harbaugh, I hate that guy, but Harbaugh, when he threw that ball into the end zone, it looked like it landed in his belly and um, it really did. So, I remember everybody, and I was at a party, and everybody's looking like, did he catch it? Is it a catch? Is it a... And next thing you know, you see arms waving like that, and you realize that that they just went to the Super Bowl for the first time in 16 years, and you're just going absolutely nuts. Um, a sidebar on that, we bought champagne. And since I was the big Steeler fan there, they opened the shop champagne they popped it and they poured it on my head and if you've ever had champagne poured on your head and in your eyes it stings but those were tears of joys joy my friend that was the <laughs> best pain i had in a long time and uh the only only thing that was uh even better was the time that i got punched in the face when troy palomalu took one up to, took one back against uh baltimore to go to that super bowl i still don't know which one of my friends punched me in the face during that that uh, celebration, I don't care. Felt so good. <laughs> what about you, Dave? Well, that '95 season, you know, it was it was in what January of '96. That was yes. actually my senior year of high school, and I had a lot of different things going on in my life. And of course, I watched the game, and I was invested in the game, but it wasn't. I felt like I was so much more emotionally tied to the Steelers, in in 2005 um just because of my own maturity and expanded knowledge of the game and everything trust me that was and uh, for some reason i'd already written the steelers off that it's, it doesn't matter they go to the super bowl i didn't think they had a chance to win and they were even like 14 point underdogs weren't they and then still should have won that game um so for some reason i i'm 
I got it for me personally. I really got into that in that 2005 season. And when, when it seemed like they had fought, they, they had done the impossible and they had knocked off the, the amazing Colts that no one could touch all season that had been rested for three weeks, basically, and, and had it all wrapped up. And then all of a sudden it was, no, they didn't. Now it came through in a crazy way, but specifically that Bettis fumble was one of the most soul crushing football plays I think I've ever watched. And it, I'm like, it couldn't have happened to a better guy. It felt terrible. I couldn't believe it played out the way it did. So I'm going with that one. I will be the first to admit, I hate saying this, but if it's not for Ben Roethlisberger, shoestring tackle on Nick Harper, I will go out on a ledge and say Jerome Bettis would not be in the Hall of Fame. Period. If he doesn't win a Super Bowl, I don't think he gets in. I Say what you want. I just don't think he gets in. I, I, his credentials were great at the time. He's been surpassed by several running backs now on the, on the overall rushing list. He did it for a long time. For me... Um, like Brian, when you describe 95 as a perfect way, I mean, it just, that game was just like a, uh, this horrible descent of bad play. And then it just finally ended. I felt that the Steelers were getting hosed in the Colts game. And it almost felt like the NFL wanted Manning to win when they, inter- when they overturned Paul Amalo's, uh, interception. That was worst the point. overturn in the history of the NFL. Yeah. Their explanation had nothing to do with what happened with the play. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 you're right. I you remember. Come- sorry. <laughs> I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, the, the game should have been over. The, the fumble never should have mattered. It never should have happened. And when they, when they took that away, I was like, you just got that feeling, and I get that feeling sometimes when I watch football in the NFL that there's a, there's some strings being pulled. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I, I swear that, that that still sticks in my craw a little bit. Is that So I'll take the 2005 game. Like Dave, I was a little bit older, a little bit more invested, although I've watched every second of the 95 game. Uh, I'll take 2005. So that's my either or for the night. thought that was a good one. Um, Real good one. What yes, about you? What about you, Dave? What's your either or for the night? All right, I'll go away from football stuff. Um, it's it's quite simple. I I, I got to premise it with this: I'm not t- taking away your your house and your regular functions of everything, and it'll make sense in a second. But what would you rather? Which one is more pleasurable or tolerable? Maybe I should say to live through the. Th- the three hottest days of summer when it's just so stinking hot, you can't even go outside and do anything. You can still be inside in your air conditioning, but it's like, you know, you can't leave your house or you're going to be covered in sweat or the three coldest days of winter when it's just cold and drab and hopefully snowy. Um, but you, and all you can do is, is sit inside when it's, when it's nice and not nice and toasty. So which one would you rather, which, which one is more, tolerable for you the three warmest days of the year or the three coldest days of the year i will take the heat every single day of the week and twice on sunday i don't mind the heat um i'd rather take clothing off than try to add fifteen thousand layers um so i don't mind the heat i want to move south so i i don't care about the heat at all i get sick of i hate the cold I dread winters i don't enjoy snow unless it's before christmas so that's me. Brian, what about you? You know what? I would go heat too. I almost did suffer from heat stroke a couple of years ago because I uh, ran out of gas in my car in Rockville, Maryland. And uh, it, it was a really bad thing because it was in the middle of a very busy intersection. And and I thought I was going to actually, uh, I felt like I was going to die, but I would still take that over the cold. I just hate being cold. And I... I love summer so much and I'm the kind of guy that gets the blues a little bit. I'm not a depressive guy, but the, the fact that winter comes around like Christmas ends and football's over and then you're, you're dealing with, with uh, just Dece- uh, January and then February and the cold. I just don't like dealing with that. So I, I'll battle the heat to feel good and, and be like Katrina and waves would say walking on sunshine boys. <laughs> You guys are crazy. Um, you can layer up all you want, but you can only get so naked. Um, the heat <laughs> is awful. <sighs> the heat I can is get terrible. Very naked. 
I mean, I get so frustrated. I mean, as my parents are getting up there in age, I was trying to convince them when they went to move, um, when they when they moved into my grandma's house, that no, don't move there. Move down here closer to me, so I'll, I'll be around. At the time, none of my siblings live close to my parents. Now my brother does, so it's a much better situation. But I'm like, be down here so I can help you guys out with stuff. And they said to me, they're like, you've got like three hours in the morning and three hours in the evening in the summertime. You can't get out and work in that heat any other time. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I can't stay in the heat. The one nice thing is coming into the air conditioning, but forget the heat. I'll take the cold. Give me some hot chocolate or some great coffee. Um, snuggled up under a blanket in my Steelers PJs, watching the snow come down to then go outside and play with the kids. I'll take that all the time. I would take I, it year round. <laughs> I uh, This sounds like the, what is it, the year without Santa Claus versus the heat miser. And uh, <laughs> I'm Mr. Heat. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, he freaks me out. I'm Mr. Sin. I'm Mr. Heat Miser. I'm Mr. Hundred and One. Oh, wait, I'm not on mute. Sorry. <laughs> All right, Brian, let's get to you for the final either or for the night. All right, guys. Uh, Jeff, you're a music guy. Dave, yes. you're a guy. Um, so just going to ask you these questions. We've just had another rock biopic, the the second one since November. Um, of course, Bohemian Rhapsody uh, was a very award-winning film. It came out November third, and now just uh, just last weekend, Rocket Man, um, the uh, bi rock biopic uh, regarding uh, the life and times of Elton John came out. So I'm, I just want to be simple with this: if you're looking just straight music, are you going to go Queen? You can go Elton John. Oh, I thought you were gonna go. I I know why you went with the biopics and stuff. I will take. Um, kind of depends on my mood. I like both of them a lot, but I'll take. I have, there are more Queen songs that I like than more El than Elton John songs. So I'll take Queen. What about you, Dave? I'm offended by the live chat as begging for neither Brian or I to get naked. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, what was the question? No, no, I heard your question. I, I don't know if I can pick. That's fantastic. Um, I could I, I could sing along with either one. I could do karaoke for either one. Oh my goodness. Um, it's a push. That's too good of a question. All right, then uh, then you're copping out there, but you're not <laughs> you're not gonna pick one, Dave. Come on. Uh, um, this is gun to your head now. I'm, I'm okay. I'll go Queen because I think their their quote unquote bottom end songs are better. If you know what I mean, not just their hits, but just if you were to list every Queen song and rank them in order, I think their ones at the bottom would be better. If you ranked every Elton John, so song. you like Radio Gaga yeah. better than <laughs> name me a bottom end Elton John song. Uh, I could name you several that I'm not. Because well, I think about. I know more Queen uh, songs. I've listened to more full albums of Queen than Elton John. But man, his good. His stuff is really good, man. Ba -ba -ba Benny. Sorry. Um, go for it, <laughs> Brian. <laughs> so, so I got to go, Elton John. I was forced to go to an Elton John um, concert in 1989. My sister won tickets. It was her birthday, and she's like, "You got to take me to this show." And I'm like, "I don't want to go see him." I went there, and I was just completely enthralled. I actually saw him again at Three River Stadium five years later. But when you watch the movie, there's something that really stands out to you. Is he hardly wrote any of those lyrics? That was all Bernie Taupin. Well, they worked, and, they worked um, together, right? He did the music they worked, and he they, did the lyrics. They worked together, yeah. and he and he did mention he's like, look, I'm a I'm a music guy. Um, I I struggle with lyrics, so it was the perfect combination. If you ever listen to those lyrics, they are just absolutely brilliant. But one thing I didn't notice until after I watched the movie, and where Elton John could just go ahead and. The minute he reads a lyric, he could just go in and find it on the piano just like that. He was that brilliant with the piano. And you listen to just the inner workings of those songs with all the complex music going on. Uh, I just really love Elton John music so much better. And that's all I've been doing for the last couple of weeks, just listening to everything. And I could probably beat you one-on-one -on -one with the bottom end hit hits, um, Dave. I could probably go head-to-head -head with you and win that conversation. 
See, the, the tougher one, I know why you do with the biopics, but if you say Elton John or Billy Joel, that's a tough debate for me. Because and you know what? Those are very similar styles. I mean, you're taking a rock band in Queen and comparing it to Elton John, who's more of a singer-songwriter. Not that, not that Queen didn't write their own songs, and Freddie Mercury's one of the greatest frontmen of all time, but yeah. um, that would be a really tough debate for me. We're not getting into that tonight, though. And you know what? That concert that I told you about in 94 at Three Rivers was Billy Joel and Elton John, uh, piano to piano. And they started off a lot of each other's songs, and it was great. Um, you know, that was just an amazing concert. And, you know, if we did go head to head with those guys, it's a tough pick. But uh, because of the biopics, that's where I'm going. The next biopic to come out is going to be in the next couple of years. It's going to be along the same lines, similar stories. It's going to be boy, George. Oh gosh. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that culture club. Let's do it. <laughs> I'll watch it. You know, I know me. You. I know you. You're an eighties guy. You'll watch that, but I won't. Um, I'll be enthralled. <laughs> I haven't watched Bohemian Rhapsody yet. I probably won't watch rocket man anytime soon because they're not animated. So there you have it. Um, <laughs> I've been there, my friend. I'm just getting out of that. Okay, Jeff, here you go. Okay. Since you're animated, it's got to be animated. Yep. The animated movie, Sing, uh -huh. where they did a lot of music. Absolutely. The, Very the, 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 the singing gorilla. Uh huh. He did the Elton was, John song. Was, who did the Elton John song was voiced by. Uh, I don't know who the guy was. My. The guy um, playing Elton John in the movie. Oh, Taron Egerton. Taron Egerton. Did not know that. Great voice. Good kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good movie, by the way. Sing is a very good Sing. movie. It got, it, it got my kids introduced to a lot of music that they would not have been introduced to otherwise. So I, Same I like here. That. That's the, exactly. My kids, yes. we love that soundtrack. And I mean, and it's got, not only that, it's got the original the soundtrack has the original Queen and David Bowie under pressure. You're right. They on do. the soundtrack. Yeah. Because that's in my van right now on and, CD. And the redo, the redo, the redone songs give are really, really good. They they give them all it's a, it's a they do a good job. And you know what? Yep. It got my kids into Sinatra and Elton John. Absolutely. Yes. So when my kid wants to hear Sinatra and me download Sinatra music, I praise that movie. And I did. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's good stuff. So uh, we could ramble on for this uh, for a while, but we're going to cut it short here. Um, I do want to say that today, when this is being recorded on the 6th of June, is the 75th anniversary of the D-Day invasions. I just want to send a quick shout out to anyone that might have had a family member that was a part of that you know, the, the world wars, the greatest generation, as they call it. And anyone that might be serving in our military right now, maybe you're listening or watching this podcast overseas. And uh, we just want to give you a big shout out and tip of the cap and respect and say that uh, we appreciate all that you do. Um, this, if, if we can give you some semblance of normalcy by talking about the Steelers and again, it gets your mind away from everything, then I consider it a job well done because I can't thank you enough for what you're doing for us in our country. So there you have it. So, um, yeah, um, guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So make sure you check back on Sunday. We'll have another episode of The Standard is the Standard, but we will be back next Thursday for another episode of The Steelers Preview. We will see you then.